presents Haunted Hall. Welcome to another edition of Haunted Hall. I'm Louie. And I'm Manny. And today we're going to be talking about a movie I've been wanting to cover on the podcast for God knows how many years. I think I've been teasing it for, for three and a half years now. It's come up. Really? It's, yeah, it's come up in the past. It's I think first time I mentioned this movie, and the listeners know what it is because of the title, but the movie is The Guest. <laughs> and I, I remember, uh, we haven't done one of these episodes in a while, but we have these things called it's like create a haunt where you create your own haunted attraction. Mm-hmm. And one of the years, my fictional haunt that I created was based on this movie. Yeah, it was one of one of my rooms in this haunt. Did you just have a guy with a gun walking around chasing you through the house? <laughs> no, it was it was based Blonde on a haired blue eyed sniper, <laughs> a very handsome dude just chasing people. No, very handsome guy with a gun. <laughs> no, no, it was. The, I should clarify the final act of the film was what inspired my room in this fictional haunted house. Dave and I, and I believe Tommy Valley were creating. Um, we also, Chris and I, covered the sequel concept album that came out last year, last April Fool's. So we talked about the fictional faux movie that doesn't exist sequel to this movie and still have yet to cover the original film. Well, what? now's your chance, buddy. Now's well, your chance. Now, now I've got one of my, my good friends who's the best at covering movies with me on the podcast. So now would be the time. I have yeah, you I here now helping yeah. me helping me break down films. Time to blow your load. There you go. And what's funny is we're like this close. Well, almost less than a year from the 10-year anniversary of this movie. So oh, wow. if I would have put it off one more year, it would have been a decade. Could have had a celebration. <laughs> Whatever. I'm Could have had a haunted hangover month of the guest. Just come up with like six episodes, each one, you know. That's Something a bit much. <laughs> I'd probably go crazy if that was. There, if, was <laughs> there was a podcast they did that on The Invitation. Have you ever heard that one? Yeah, I know The it's Invitation, like, but no, I don't know what podcast. podcast. It's like oh. 15 episodes. And they break down the entire script to screen. Like they basically read the whole script and they compare it to what, what, what you know, the final film version. And they break down everything: the character names, the shots, the music, the angles. Like, <laughs> every, it's a it's an incredible show. It's absolutely incredible podcast. I don't know if I have the patience to do that. So I, I wish that I wish that shows like that existed more for movies like like you should listen to that. It's really in depth. It's really good. Listen, I, I would totally do it, and I'm sure that podcast. I've never listened mm-hmm. to them. Probably have a lot of people involved in producing it, editing it, putting it together. No one, one guy, dude. All one right, guy did the whole thing. Took well, him like two years to do it. But <laughs> I will. I rather us watch the movie, got take some of- notes. And then talk about it. There yes, you go. One guy doing the whole thing. He got a couple of voice actors to read along with him, but he did everything else himself. Poor guy. That must have been yeah. a lot of work. But hey, listen, it sounds like a cool project, yeah. and I will yeah. I will definitely check it out in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We will not be doing that. We will no. not be no. <laughs> we will not be breaking down every aspect no. of this film in I don't, in, in I don't need fifteen seconds. hours of the guest. You sure? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. 
Maybe we'll, we'll turn a new leaf with Haunted Hangover. This is where you we could start. Do, you <laughs> could do 15 hours on movies where Micah Monroe is stalked by some guy. Yes. <laughs> you could do 15 hours on that alone. <laughs> Micah, Micah Monroe month. Just every every week a movie. That's it. Where Everyone. she's... Where she's stalked by some handsome dude. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's always a handsome guy, too. It's always, always a stud. She's never stalked by ugly people. No. <laughs> well, she's a looker herself, so I get it. I, I, I understand. You got to have all the pretty people going after each other. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Respectfully. <laughs> uh, but yes, with all that silliness out of the way, let's finally get into the guest. Mrs. Peterson? Can I am? Um help you my name is david i knew your son i was with him when he died one of the things he asked was for me to check on y'all you and your whole family here i said i'd do that and so here I am. Would you like to come inside? Thank you, ma'am. So The Guest was released on September 17th, 2014. Almost 10 years. One year shy. Uh, it was directed by Adam Wingard mm-hmm. and written by Simon Barrett. Both of them of the... Power your, couple. Uh, yeah, power couple. The Your Next. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the big, that was their big break before mm-hmm. The Guest. And then before that, I think, was that movie, A Har- is it A Horrible Way to Die? A Horrible Way to Die, yeah. Yes. And, and, and spoiler alert, I still say this is their best film, but we'll get into that a little later. In my opinion, mm. I, I have a feeling Manny's going to disagree with me on that one. Uh, <laughs> possibly. Uh, it stars Stud. Dan Stevens as David. Stud. 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 Listen, man, he is a, he's a stud. Heterosexual as hell, and I'll admit, he's a stud. Uh, yeah, he's David Collins. Uh, we mentioned it. Micah Monroe mm-hmm. as Anna Peterson. Is it is Anna or Ann? I think it's Anna Peterson. I think it's Anna. Yeah. Anna Peterson. Brandon Meyer as Luke Peterson. Sheila Kelly as Laura Peterson. Mm-hmm. Leland or is I, I always pronounce this guy's last name wrong. I think it's Orser L- uh, Leland, Leland Orser, Orser. Yeah. as Spencer Peterson. He was in seven, right? If I remember correctly, right? He's been in a bunch of stuff. He's always uh, played, like, is it seven? I think it might be seven. Might be completely wrong here, but I believe he, he always he used to play really like weird, quirky, strange characters. Yeah, he's um. Yes, in seven, he's the guy with the giant dildo with the knife on the end. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that he, yes, he made yes. her fuck the girl to death. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, him, he, he plays the father in this one. He's not doing anything with a dildo and a knife. Um, we've also got Lance Reddick as Carver, mm-hmm. R.I.P. R.I.P. to Lance so, Reddick. Dude, when I put the movie on, I was like, oh my God, I forgot yeah. he died like very recently. Yeah. Put it From, on, I was like, wow, how did we lose him? Yeah, no, recently was in all the uh, John Wick films. Mm-hmm. He's, he's known for the John Wick, Wick series. Fringe, uh, he was the he was yes, the head he was, of the team right. in Fringe. That was my shit. 
Great oh. actor, man. Solid actor, yeah. too. He's great in this. Even though it's not a huge role, he's still phenomenal in it. I'm sure we'll get into the uh, mm-hmm. roles later. We've got, got two more names here, actor-wise, I want to I wanna shine some light on. We've got Ethan Embry as uh-huh. a as a grimy ass gun dealer. Yep. From some some phenomenal films, Empire Records, Can't Hardly Wait, mm-hmm. Dutch. <laughs> when he was a little kid, you know, I didn't even that when I met Ethan Embry, it wasn't until the day I met him that I realized that was him in Dutch. Yeah, he, he was at Horror Hound doing uh uh for doing promo for the devil's candy yeah his table and he rolls pictures out and there it was a picture of him in dutch and i said you gotta be shitting me (laughs) i never realized it (laughs) and i think if i remember correctly i think it's because he doesn't go by ethan embry it's like a different name it's like ethan something else i think it's when he was a child actor but i I never connected the face like Mm -hmm. i've been watching dutch my like i love dutch yeah, I absolutely love it. I had I'd watched it since then, too, you know, so it's not like it was something that was fa- it just I never realized the face. It it never yeah. connected. Ethan Embry's one of those guys that has been in a ton of great movies. Mm-hmm. Can't yeah. uh, that thing you do. Obviously, I mentioned can't hardly yeah. wait. Uh, Vegas vacation. <laughs> yeah, he was in vacancy, I think, which came out. Yes, he was o- one almost, of the yeah, one uh, of the uh That was 2005 yeah. or 6 7 around that time. One of the motel killer yeah. guys, yeah. I've always liked him. And he's got a small yeah. role in this, but it's great. It's a great mm-hmm. small. It's like like he's become a character actor and I love that. Mm-hmm. And he could even and he you know, when he was a lot younger, he was always kind of like the dorky guy. That was always kind of his character i guess that's kind of what he portrayed and most like the nerdy kind of dorky dude and he's kind of developed into like this grizzled like dude who plays like these sketchy characters now what's that uh, one movie he was great in too cheap thrills great oh man cheap thrills was excellent and he's fucking fantastic in that so just wanted to uh sprinkle some uh some Ethan Embry love into the mm-hmm. podcast because he he's great in this. It's a small role, but again, he's he's fantastic in the one scene. Um, <laughs> then we've got this 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 one actor, Joel David Moore, who I always recognize from um, what is it Hatchet. He was in the mm-hmm. first Hatchet, which I'm not a huge Hatchet fan, but I remember him him in that. He's also in the Avatar movies, so <laughs> interesting. Uh, career yeah he was also in grandma's boy he was like that matrix robot guy i don't know if you've ever seen that manny that there's like a silly movie it sounds familiar but yeah he he has he's another one of those recognizable faces like again not a huge role in this movie but it's a pretty memorable one in a way okay so just wanted to show because they're they're pretty known actors both of these guys and and they just are they play kind of just these tiny they have very tiny roles in a in a otherwise yeah. relatively. Ethan uh, Embry's one of those guys shows up in a movie and you're like that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I love that guy. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I and then even you call Ethan Embry a that guy guy. I just think he became that maybe as he got older, yeah. possibly. Yeah. Because he's been in a lot of shit, dude. Like like A level shit. Like he's mm-hmm. not only done B level movies and things like that in indie film. He's done like he's got movies with Tom Hanks in it. You know what I mean? Like, so it's just an interesting way his career kind of bounced around. All right, let's let's get into my brief synopsis of the guest. So the guest follows David, a recently discharged soldier who arrives at the doorstep of the Peterson family. He explains to Laura 
the mother, that he was their recently killed son, Caleb's best friend. They kind of were in the same, I don't know what it's called. I don't know shit about the military, but like they were in the same team. Same battalion. Yeah, they were like together in the group and there's pictures of them together and... You know, they, they have a relationship as friends. They're each other's best friends. That's the yeah. kind of the words that David uses on the mother. Um, he explains to Laura that he made a promise to Caleb that he would check in on his family in case anything ever happened to him or if yeah. he were to die, which is what happened to him. So <laughs> it's a very standard kind mm-hmm. of uh, kind of reminds me of the scene in Pulp Fiction with Christopher Walken, just like. I made this promise. Instead, it was the the watch went up his ass. In this case, it was just that David made a promise to check up on the family. There was stick no stick a bullet up anyone's ass <laughs> who was, fucks with the family. Yes, there's <laughs> other things uh, that are nothing's going up asses, but you know what I mean. <laughs> there, there's some other craziness that happens, but yeah, uh, taken back by his charm and politeness, because that's basically all that it takes with Laura. Apparently, the mom. Yes. It's very easy to please. <laughs> very easy. To, he's just charming and polite, and she welcomes David to stay with the family until he can get back on his feet. Basically, you know, he's got he he's not employed. He has no home. He's got nowhere to go. Kind of where you you know you, that happens to vets. You know, after the war. Where do they go? And this is, I, I believe if I remember correctly, it's alluded to that they were in Afghanistan or Iraq. It's one, uh, one of the yeah. two. Yeah, Middle yeah. Eastern. So, one yeah. of the many, many, many wars yes. we've had over there. <laughs> so, kind of the go-to war, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, he's kind of back in the U.S. and kind of just, David's trying to find his way again. Um, she convinces, Laura convinces her husband, Spencer, um, as well. Because he's a little he's a little hesitant to let David like who's this random strange man you're gonna allow him but again he's just so charismatic David that everyone in this house falls in love with him that's basically what's happening in the Peterson household pretty guy shows up gives a bright white smile and everybody exactly. falls for it exactly um, and even their younger son Luke kind of starts sharing. This like older brother relationship Mm -hmm. with him. You know, what happens is this family is they're in a rut. They're depressed. They're sad. You know, their son was killed and missing. Yeah, he's filling that void. Yeah, there's clearly something missing in their lives because Mm -hmm. of the the loss of the son. Yes, absolutely. Now, the one person (laughs) that's not falling for David's shit is their older daughter, Anna. She's a bit reluctant to uh, trust David and she kind of finds the whole vibe he's given off weird. She's even forced at one point to invite him to her friend's Halloween party. She just thinks the whole thing is strange and like Mm -hmm. just a lot of red flags. Like this is very odd. And it really is. I mean, it's like this dude showed up, said, hey, I was friends with your son. Can I stay here a while? Like, yeah. wait, what? Yeah, yeah. Well, he didn't even ask to stay. No. <laughs> yeah. But it's yeah. just like, oh, I was friends with your son. Here's his bed. Yeah, you can sleep <laughs> in his room. Here's all of his you know? shit. Yeah, I think, that, I think that like her initial reaction was you guys are trying to fill the void with this guy who's here now. Like, you know, like yeah. you're trying to replace my brother. You know, you're trying to play, replace your son with this guy. And and I'll be honest. There's a certain point in the film where Anna does Mm -hmm. start to warm up to him. 
You know, again, he's he's a good looking dude. There's that infamous scene with the Sisters of Mercy and he comes out of the shower showing the abs and she's like, "Woo, this guy is hot. You know what I mean? And then, you know, they have a conversation after the Halloween party. Mm-hmm. She's going to make him a mix CD. And they do kind she starts to warm up to the idea of having this guy around. And I do like that. But yeah. what ends up happening out of curiosity and suspicion. Here come spoilers. <laughs> yes, obviously. Uh, Anna calls the army base that David, I guess, was deployed to. That's where he he was based. The the army base. Well, she just calls the army. Based. Yeah, yeah, she just calls. She them. just calls the army to check up on him, get his name and everything. Yeah. she wants to learn about David Collins and where he came from and his backstory. Was he really friends with their yes. brother? Yeah, and she basically learns that David Collins has been dead for I believe it's a week or a few weeks, something like that. He's been dead for some time, and everything isn't what it seems to be with him. She was right in her suspicion that this guy is is uh is uh something else and it's not who it's not he's not the nice guy that the entire family perceives him to be. So, after a few murders, a few <laughs> a few murders, and we'll get into those a little later and some stuff I love in the movie and stuff you love, I'm sure. And the military police showing up. Lance Anna, Reddick. Yes, Lance Reddick. Uh, Anna and Luke discover David's true intentions and now must fight for their survival or else David will basically kill them. And that was, in a nutshell, the guest. You want, you want the elite? Well, I'll take them all. What, all the, all the handguns? No, everything. All your guns. Sure. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Look, man, now, yeah, if, if you brought money for all of them, I'll cut you a deal. You can take them all off my hands. No, I'm going to kill you. All right. So, you know, we, we always start with our likes, and that's really what I want to start with here before we before we get into 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 other shit about the movie. I, I kind of brushed over it, you know. Yep. It's the Halloween season currently, and I, I was curious to ask you this before, actually, before we get into the likes. Do you think this is a good Halloween movie? <laughs> Just I, curious. I mean, I mean, it has that feeling, you know, and in, in especially the last, the end of it. It definitely has the, the, the feeling they loaded the soundtrack with, you know, Sisters of Mercy and Clan as I Mow and, you know, they loaded it. With, oh, we'll get with, into that with, later. That's that's we'll, we'll jump well, but, into the soundtrack. No, but I'm later, saying yeah. like they they loaded the Purposely. soundtrack with it to yes. give it that feel. Yes, you know, and and there is a Halloween party, and then there's the uh, uh, the little haunt mm-hmm. in the end. So I mean, I guess it works as a Halloween movie. It has it has its moments that definitely feels mm-hmm. like Halloween. Now, you know, yeah. So I, I've had this argument with people in the past. A lot of people say it doesn't feel like it's a Halloween film mm-hmm. because it's set. So they, I, I believe they shot this in New Mexico, so mm-hmm. they don't get a an autumn like we would get here in the East Coast. You know, no, no, yeah. no leaves changing, no kind of cold weather, no hoodies and flannel yeah. shirts and things like that. It doesn't have those autumn vibes. But I will say, just to defend my, because I do think this this movie oozes Halloween in every way and has a certain atmosphere that I think a lot of movies don't capture. 
And I think there's a reason for that because I, I believe this movie, the inspiration from what I remember reading years ago, was what if you mix mixed Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween, and The Terminator? If what if they had a baby? It would mm-hmm. be the guest, sort yeah. of. And um, I can see that comparison. Like, well, watch the I movie; mean, it's clear as day. Yeah, it's technically what they were doing. Yeah, exactly. He, yeah, ba- uh, Barrett and Wingard—they wanted to make Michael Myers as an android. Yes, and, that was and, their literal intention. Yeah. yeah, but but to go back to the Halloween yeah. aspect of it, just to me, every scene in the movie—if you pay attention—there's a pumpkin or yeah. jack-o'-lantern in the background. There's Halloween decorations mm-hmm. in front of the Peterson house. There's a kind of scarecrow pumpkin head ghost. I mean, thing. it's Halloween. <laughs> it's Halloween. They did a yeah. great job. I just think the way the movie looks and the way yeah. the, the kind of the, the vibes and atmosphere it has besides the Halloween party, besides the haunted house dance at the very end. I think everything about it that when it comes to the holiday was was done great. Yes. I think they did a great job with it. And I, I always I have think, to defend I have to, I feel like I've had this conversation with people and they're like that doesn't feel like a Halloween movie. And I'm like, "Well, you know what mm-hmm. though? To 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 that point exactly. It doesn't feel like a Halloween movie. That's because you're considering Halloween feel to be what the Northeast and Europe considers yeah. Halloween to feel <laughs> exactly. like. Exactly. You know, there's a whole other portion of this country, at the very least, that does not experience Halloween the way we do with the, like you said, the changing of the leaves yeah. and, you know, and all this. Like, it's still Day of the Dead is the day after Halloween. Yeah. And that is probably the most Halloween feeling celebration. For but sure. But it's a Mexican celebration and it's still like 90 degrees. <laughs> yeah. It's you hot know? as fuck. You're wearing a tank yeah. top holding <laughs> exactly. a pumpkin pail. Um, you know, so they experience Halloween totally differently. So th- it's still Halloween. It's just not the... It's just not what John Carpenter has molded to be the feel of Halloween. It's yeah. It's the other half of the country. And what's funny is even the original John Carpenter, they shot that in Pasadena they did. in California and there's no the leaves don't and change out there. Preci- so. And we look at it and yeah. be like this doesn't really look like Halloween. It does a little bit. It's very close. Yeah. But someone in Los Angeles says, "Yeah, that's totally Halloween. Yeah. That is 100% what October looks like out here." You know, <laughs> it's hard to explain. Like we've talked about it on the show before. I, you know, I, I don't know if I ha- I've had the conversation with you, but I've watched movies that are set on Halloween and trying to copy that same kind of vibe and they don't do a good job. And I still think the guests did a better job, even though they, they don't have pile and mounds of leaves everywhere, dead leaves everywhere. It's still there's something about the movie to me that screams Halloween every 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 inch of it to me now there is one or two moments and i'll get into that later um that to me kind of veer away from that but for the most part every kind of set like every the production design on and every scene there are decorations everywhere and it feels authentic it feels like what a bar would put up in october what a school would put up in october what what a very uh, just traditional american family would put up in their house in October. And that's to me is what makes it a Halloween film. And then obviously it's about a family. The you know the main mm-hmm. characters are a family. So what's more, you know, what's what what who celebrates Halloween the most? Families. So yep. I've always kind of felt I've always had to defend that whenever I've talked just casual conversation with people. 
that I think Dave recently was like, it doesn't feel like a Halloween movie. And I was like, I disagree. And then we had our conversation, <laughs> but just my opinion, I've always thought that this movie did a tremendous job in, in recreating the holiday and, and making it feel like it's that time of the year. I never consi- I never really thought put much thought into it, but you know, through the com- through this conversation, <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it is. Mm-hmm. It's just a different. It's a different Halloween. It's not Halloween in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. It's Halloween in the Midwest. Now, I'm going to start with you. What, what's what's some stuff you love about this movie? Just to kind of. I mean, it's you know you know it's all about the soundtrack for me for this movie. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, this is some of my favorite bands and my favorite music. It's this probably is probably the. I, the thing yes. about this it, movie that most people I love, remember. love, yeah, absolutely love the soundtrack. I listen to it regularly. It's phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love it. I, I like, I love the lighting, the blues and some of the greens and the little oranges and reds. I really love that neon kind of feel without, without going that like Kavinsky style of putting the, and, and, and what's his name? Um, Joe Bagos style yeah, of putting yeah. neon lights in the shot. Yeah. Because they really avoided doing that. It has that same look of yeah. cinematography that Joe Bagos would do, but it's not like, here's a neon light tube behind every character's everything head. Everything is like, you know, everything is, yeah. the, the, the screen is filled. Like me, like, like right yeah. here, like this, this these yeah. neon lights I have behind me, they're not in there. But I agree. it feels like it was lit by them, which adds to that Halloween feel where you're in a where you're in a bar at night and the lights they don't turn lights on they just leave the the glowing Heineken mm-hmm. signs and the bud lights you know so you're lit by that neon color mm-hmm. you know and I think it has it definitely it has the cinematography has that feel without without saturating you and hitting you in the face with it uh, and the soundtrack um, is great and I really like um, I like Wingarden Barrett's ability to take two different styles of film and combine it into one, you know? Um, yeah, they this, did is, it, this is technically not really a horror film when you think about no, it. It's more like a it thriller be, in reality. It kind of becomes a horror film in the end, in the last, like, yeah. it's, it starts off, uh, I don't even know how to how to. It's I like mean, it hand, starts off like you. The hand that rocks the cradle type, like like someone is stalking a family or yeah. Like what's what's up? What's the um single white female like like kind of like this outside force that's that's weaseling its way into yeah, your life and trying to like scam you into something. And in this case, he wants to and he ends up wanting to kill everybody, but that's yeah for something else. That's a, that's a, yeah, that's a different have, thing we'll talk about. Exactly. They have they have the ability to cram two different genres together mm-hmm. and like this it starts off kind of like a brooding thriller like mm-hmm. like hints of a thriller you mm-hmm. know something's off but it's very like very much a drama and then there's like this half hour in the middle where this becomes an all-out action film yeah for there's about like, 20 25 like minutes a, yeah there's like yeah. a 20 minute period where it's just like gun, brr, this is a car chase everywhere. gun yeah. shootout action film and then it becomes a stalker almost slasher film yeah. for the very like last 15 20 minutes mm-hmm. you know and like their ability it's very dust till dawn where it starts off as this kind of road movie and it turns into an all-out vampire it's three movie. different movies yes it and it's really, really funny too because there's a lot of comedy in this too yeah. so yeah 
it's it's an interesting balance to me and i think you know just to go back and not to talk too much about your next because that could be something we can cover in the future but to me i think this movie does comedy a little bit better than your next in my opinion like there's just certain aspects i feel like they're able to kind of like you'll laugh at and there's a lot of stuff i love about the movie that's really funny and it's kind of running gags throughout the entire film um, but I, I agree with you. Just kind of the way the 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 genre cha- it shifts from scene to se- literally mm-hmm. the way it starts it from scene to scene. It's like wait a second, this is so this is like a drama, and then it's, it's like seamless too. A, a teen kind of a teen party movie for for mm-hmm. ten minutes there, and then an action film, and then it's just really interesting how they were able to kind of string the story through all those kind of filters of different genres of movies and make it so cohesive, you know? Um, But to go back, because I think we both can agree the soundtrack is fantastic. We kind of brushed over it. So I was like, since you mentioned it, let's go back. Dude, this is when... So I'm a big fan of Survive. Mm It's like the song Hourglass is on this, and they have another song on this soundtrack. And what I find so interesting is... And I've always said this about The Guest is I think The Guest came out just a couple years shy of it. It would have been a bigger deal. Obviously, has a cult following now, 10 years later almost. But I think if it would have come out a year or two later, because the guys from Survive went on to score Stranger Things. So I feel like this movie kind of predates when all like the kind of 80s revival shit was. It's been happening for years. I but think I actually think. See, I actually think this movie kicked it off. I I think so, too. I think this was the impetus. This is what showed that you could have that kind of retro feel in a very... That retro, gothy, new wave uh, uh, sound in a modern movie. That you can do that seamlessly without just, you know, cramming it with, with, you know, 80s pop hits. Yeah, there's you no know. pop hits in this, really. Yeah. A lot of these songs are deep cuts. You have to be into goth music and, like, mm-hmm. synth. And this was also when Synthwave was first, like, popping off. Yep. Like, it, was, it first started with, like, Survive and Perturbator and all that stuff. And now, obviously, there's fucking 500. It's oversaturated. But at this point, it was still a very new thing. So the fact that they were able to use songs featured in the soundtrack that are that genre mixed in with the post-punk and goth stuff. And then the score itself is obviously very... I think it's a Steve Steve Moore, I think, is the guy who composed all the music for this yeah. movie. You know, that very 80s kind of feel. Yep. So, yeah, I, I, I think they, they're a couple years shy. But I think you're right. It might have kicked off kind of that whole vibe yeah. and aesthetic that Stranger Things, I guess, Because what year was it follows? It. I think it follows... Might have been the year after this or the year and before. Drive. Drive was before this. Drive was, I was think, it 2011. I've actually it. never seen Drive, so I, yeah, I just know. The, I just know. Uh, yeah, I, I hear that. Uh, you know, it's like I just the early know. 2000s. I know the sound. Yeah, but yeah. was it really that early? I believe it might have been 2010, 2011 is when Drive came out. But I will agree, Drive was probably the first big movie to use. Yeah, 2011. Yeah, Drive. I love Drive, so I feel like Drive. But that. So the drive was definitely the the, yeah, but the kickoff for all of this stuff. A hundred percent drive was totally. probably also a bigger yes. budgeted film. And oh, it was totally. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, what is it? Uh, Nicholas Ryan, Reffin, right? Yeah, and Ryan Gosling and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean? That that definitely kicked off that retro wave style of film. You know? Yeah. I uh, I I just always feel that like right after this happened, right after the guest came out, is when all that shit took off. Yep. 
And I and I think you're right. It kind of started with that. Like obviously, we just mentioned Drive. That was a yeah. big that that was impactful, I guess, in that sense. Neon when Demon it comes to too. Neon, Neon Neon Demon was a little later. I think it was like 2018. That was a mm. few years later. But I think the guests kind of started that shit. There's no other. Now every movie has fucking synthwave soundtracks. No. And, yeah, no, it's and just... all that stuff. So it's a little different. But I feel like this movie yeah, kind of started. Uh, Neon Demon was 2016. 2016. So it was a few yeah. years after. Yeah. Um, weird, in- interesting point in cinema where all these movies were kind of doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's still you still kind of feel the effects of it now. Like you mentioned, what, we were game? doing it in 2011. Yeah, wow. Well, <laughs> it was very a lot less money was 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 involved in. A, but we were still doing situations. it. We knew it was coming. You know, again, it go back to like House of the Devil. What was that? 2009. You know, Hobo yes. with a shotgun. That was mm-hmm. another movie that kind of had that. That was more when they were kind of leaving that like Grindhouse when Grindhouse yeah. came out in 2007. And then it went into like the whole like shitty film grain and all that stuff and fake trailers to like 80s and neon and synthwave and all that stuff so it is what it is i i, I still appreciate that type of aesthetic yeah. in movies it's a little overdone now but i still think it has its place when it comes to when it comes to film and just kind of you wanting mm-hmm. to kind of capture a certain aesthetic and what you're trying to tell the audience yeah. i guess in your style of filmmaking um, and, I don't, and I don't think the guess is as in your face as some other stuff is. You want some advice, Luke? Sure. Never let anyone pick on you. Otherwise, you'll carry it with you the rest of your life. And those kids at school, they're bigger than you. Yeah. And bring a knife to school. And they take it off you and beat you up. You go around their houses at night and burn them down with their families inside. What's the worst they can do? But yeah, I, I want to talk about some of the actors in the movie because I, I feel like so Dan Stevens to mm-hmm. me, he makes this movie. That dude is so good in this movie. Yeah, again, stud. I, Low budget that, Bradley Cooper. <laughs> nah, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> the guy, listen, man, that's what like, I thought when I first saw really? him. I was like, what? Could they just not afford Brad Cooper? <laughs> uh, I kind of see it, but he's yeah. still a great actor. No, he's a great nah, actor. Yeah, but Stevens I felt like I looked at it and I said. The guy looks like Brad Cooper. <laughs> like he looks exactly like him. You you want to know what what? what That's always, not his fault though. Nah, yeah, <laughs> he's. He, I wouldn't call him like a low rent Bradley Cooper, no. but. You know, that's that's just me. Lower but budget. That's I can see the I can see the similarities maybe yeah. in their faces, but nonetheless, I think in the guest dude, he's great because you know what I love about and, and when I watched it the other night, how again to show how charismatic he is. How polite he is. Yes, ma'am. And he has the accent, the kind of southern accent that he mm-hmm. has. And how he can switch to being sinister in one second. The performance yeah. goes from like really subtle, calm to like suspenseful, intense. Because you know he can, especially when you start finding out what he is and what he can be and what he can do. Where you're like, okay, this guy can snap at any moment and like just murder somebody. And then yeah. also be, you know, make you fall in love with him. And there's even scenes, and I don't think a lot of people notice this in the movie, where his accent vanishes, where you mm-hmm. you realize it's an act. So there's that one scene where, and it happens towards the end too. So whenever he's interacting with the family, he's got that southern accent. Then there's that one scene where Anna can hear him talking on the phone outside about like plastic surgery. He's trying to mm-hmm. get, you know, work done to hide his to hide his uh the, his appearance and stuff 
He doesn't have the southern accent. Did you notice that? No, but she says that. Yeah, yeah. He loses it. He doesn't she have actually it. She says it. What happened to your accent? Yeah, because in that scene, it goes away. And then at the very yeah. end of the movie, and I know we haven't got to the ending yet, but when you know, at the very end, it leaves and then comes yeah. back when he's trying to reason with them. Mm-hmm. And I just love how he's kind of... It's manipulation. Por- yeah, he's constantly manipulating. Two different roles almost in this movie. And I, and I think that's what's... What's great? Like she's great in this, Micah Monroe. I thought she's. I think she's pretty, pretty good. Like there's not a lot of substance to the character. I think she's better in It Follows, personally. Uh, But she's good in this as the kind of weary twenty year old girl who doesn't trust this guy, you know. But I think there's really not much else to the role. Whereas in It in in It Follows, there's a lot more nuance to what's going on, and like you know what I mean. Like that's that's a more uh, a deeper role would you agree with me or no i think so yeah yeah it follows was a bit yeah i i i would think it follows it follows it it's a heftier performance there's more to it like yeah. she's in every scene you know mm-hmm. that movie follows her yeah this there's a couple of different characters this is heavily on her but there's also the brother has his own storyline the mother, the mother yeah. has a little bit of a story and uh even even um the dad she, a little bit, you know. Yeah. No, no, but I was, but um, oh my God, Lance Reddick. Lance Reddick has yeah. a story. You know, this this shifts perspective, so it's it, it's um, it follows stays through yeah. her perspective through the whole film. So it's it's a much, it's a it's a much uh, bigger thing for her. Uh, what's the other movie um that she was in? Oh uh, shit, Not, she's been in a bunch of movies. <laughs> no, the one that was just like that. Uh, uh what was it? Oh, the one where she stalked? I forget the name of it. Watcher and... um, Dude, it was another one. She's Um, always getting stalked by somebody. We joked around about that earlier. So they kind of blend together, in in my opinion, sometimes. The Stranger. Oh, okay. I don't think I saw that one. That was with... um, What's his name that played... um, Oh, shit. I I can never remember the guy's name. Uh, Dan DeHaan. I don't don't think... I think I missed that one after I watched it. That was it was a um it was a Quibi movie. Oh okay. they did it in, in parts, parts, but now yeah, it's yeah. on like Hulu or Peacock or something. Gotcha, so okay. you can you can watch it by itself. But it's the same thing. Like watch her, she's an Uber driver and a crazy guy gets in her car and <laughs> messes with her, you know? Yeah, yeah. She she again, she's good. I'm not putting she the role is. the the role's not bad. It's just kinda a little more one note in this movie than other stuff I've seen her in. Like she's evolved as an actress. I feel she's I think she's better in other stuff than this is Dan Stevens movie. This is his yeah, movie. It is. You it know, is. at the end of the day, it's really David is the is the main character. You're following him in reality more yes. than anything. So it makes sense. I, I do want to go back to the dad, the mm-hmm. Spencer character. Dude, one of my favorite things, it's a kind of a running joke in the movie. Is and that's what I love about the dad is that he's so hung up. He just wants to drink every single scene. He's like, I need a drink. Anyone else want to drink? I want to drink. And I love that he's stressed out about his job. And then the the guy who gets the manager position he wants is killed. It's they don't show it, mm-hmm. but you know it's David that did it. So yeah. like David to go back to Dan Stevens as well. That character he means well. Like he wants to help the family, but then shit goes awry, and that's what debatable. He, what he is is really yeah. kind of takes over what he wants to achieve. I guess his end, the end result, and what he's trying to get to, because they're really just a, what I like about the movie. And I know we're kind of all over the place, but what I like about the movie is this family is just a stop in the road for David 
And unfortunately, they find out what he truly is, so shit goes awry. That's really all it is, because he's trying to get from point A to point B, and they're kind of in the middle of point A and B, because he needs somewhere to kind of stay. That's what I took. Um, but yeah, going back to the dude, I always, always loved all the drink. Like, would you like a drink? Would you want a beer? Anyone want a drink? Yourself. Suit yourself. Suit yourself. <laughs> Suit yourself. Yo, Suit dude, <laughs> there's that one scene where they're, I think, like, David's on the couch and they're watching like some sport. I don't know if it's football, but baseball, whatever. And the dad and like the dad's sitting there and he's drinking a beer. They're both drinking beer. And there's tons of empty beer bottles mm-hmm. everywhere. And he's obviously a little tipsy. And David is not phased by the alcohol because yeah. you know something's up with him. So I, I really, I always love just that little. I love what they did. Like that's really all the dad's got going for him in the movie. That's he's kind of the comedy relief. So mm-hmm. I do like that. I do like that they kind of keep going back to that running gag, you know, until he die. And then when he gets killed at the like, towards the end in the car, when he hits him with the car and then stat was he shoots him. Um, yeah. You're like, damn, dude, he was a, he was a likable character. The whole every character didn't deserve think, it. He didn't <laughs> deserve it. The mother, even when the mother gets killed, when she fi- when he finally reveals and we're going to get into the ending because I feel like we can't go on. We have to dis- we have to re- talk about the ending to kind of continue. Um, when he reveals his kind of agenda and un- the unfortunate situation that the family's in now and he has to kill her to kind of protect his own to protect what he is. Mm-hmm. You feel for her too, you know, and she gets it fucking bad, stabbed in the chest. Like, oh God, you're like, damn. And she just was being nice to him the yeah. entire movie. And she was the one to, to like defend him. Like it's basically collateral her. damage. Yeah, it's it's fucked up. But yeah, let, let's let's jump to the ending because I, a lot of the other stuff I love about the movie plays into the ending. And I'm sure Sounds like there's be. a whole lot you love about this movie. <laughs> I do. I do love this movie, man. I do love the movie. <laughs> but yeah, so so at the very end. It's revealed that David and it's ambiguous. They don't they don't they don't tell you every nook and cranny. A lot of it's implied and you get a little bit of exposition here and there that I will admit there's one there's some stuff. There's one thing I don't like about this movie. And when we get to some dislikes, I'll, I'll explain it. But it does go back to kind of his backstory to David's backstory. But yeah, it's revealed that David is an experiment by this, I guess, government agency that's almost creating like these super soldiers is what you kind of get from it. And he is an escaped. He's basically an he's an experiment that escaped their laboratory or their their base. And he's trying to change his appearance. He's trying to go under the radar. And what happens is he's programmed to tie up any loose ends that find out his true identity. And in this case, it's the family. So it's Anna, it's Luke, it's the mom, it's the dad, it's her friends, Anna's friends. Anyone that might know any information of what he truly is has to be killed so he can make a run for it. That that's basically what ends up happening, and that's kind of his overall. That's his character arc in the movie. That's what he's trying to achieve, and the film ends with Anna, well, Lance Lance Reddick's character, which I believe is his name is Carver. I said it earlier, Carver. Um, him, who's a military police officer who wants to stop David and kill him. Uh, Anna and Luke end up at the school 
Halloween dance hot slash haunted house event. And that's kind of where the final showdown is. And Anna and Luke kind of work together to defeat David. And they fail tremendously <laughs> at defeating him. And in the, in the end, David escapes. And that's how the movie ends. He, he escapes after he sta- he's shot and stabbed in the chest at the Halloween dance haunted house party that's being set up. Because I think it's that the brother's in detention to his uh, detention. They make is, him. Yeah, he has to help the party planning committee yes. for the, you know, yeah. cause that's part of the punishment that David intimidated the, <laughs> pr- the, the principal into, which is a great scene. That's a great scene. And he- it really is. It really is. You know, Dude, that scene where he's like, I'm a friend who the, the, the principal is like, who, the who are you? I'm a friend of the family. That goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like he means well, he wants to help them, but if they know too much about his real, about what he is, like what his real agenda is, he has no choice but to kill anyone that gets in the way or knows too much. I always took it that he did want to help them, you know, obviously in, in nefarious ways. He's killing people to try to help them. But it's one of those situations where I think he did want to kind of benefit. He was trying to. I guess, help the family in certain aspects, you know, or no, am I wrong in completely saying that? I see it differently. Really? How do you see it? Tell me. Um, First off, you keep saying his agenda, his agenda. What's his agenda? He wants to leave. He wants to just vanish. Why? Because that's not an agenda. Well, I think (laughs) that's not an agenda. I I guess some, yeah, it goes back to what I said before, where I think the family is kind of in the middle of point A and point B. I guess his plan is to escape this base and run off somewhere. I, again, I said it earlier. It's ambiguous. They don't really fully tell you. They don't. It's not in your face. But you know he wants to get away from them. You know, and this kind of goes back to it's funny because when I think about the soundtrack and maybe we'll we'll close out this episode kind of going back to that because I haven't seen the movie in a few years and kind of going back to like that entire soundtrack and what I think they would do with a guest part two. And if you've listened to that episode, it'd be a little redundant, but I'm not going to touch on it too much. Uh, but yeah, I think his plan is to kind of just vanish and become someone else and live his life because he was tested on as an experiment, you know, and. Because when you watch the movie, he is trying to help them. Like he helps the son in that with the bullies. Even though he uses violence to help them, he's still trying to help them. It's really when they find out what he really is where he they have he has to kill them or hurt them, you know? You get what I'm saying? It's like what's the agenda? What do you think his agenda is in the movie? Um Okay. <laughs> Curious to hear this. Number one, the full overarching yeah. is survival. Of course, he has yeah. to survive. Yes. he's not. He's not leaving. He. Don't, I, I don't think he leaves the army because he's trying to run away from them. It's mm-hmm. because he knows they that, that, that he has to die, mm-hmm. or he has to be. So he wants to survive. Yeah, he's he is a machine. He's been trained um, and experimented on. Now this. Uh, you know me. I'm, I'm I'm into all this stuff. This yeah. is the stuff that I really like about this. Mm-hmm. About the, it's that whole the MK Ultra thing. No, of course. You know, yeah. the government experiments, um, MK Ultra, that movie, uh, Men Who Stare at Goats, mm-hmm. uh, the George Clooney film. Yeah, I know what you're talking that's, about. That's these things. The Stargate program, um, the First Earth Battalion. These are all 
these were all uh, CIA and government uh, uh, special ops where they experimented and tried to create super soldiers in multiple different ways, whether it be through psychic power or psychic research or whatever. Um, in the film, I guess we'll get in. Well, let's get into this a little bit, yeah. if you don't mind. Let's get into this, and that'll kind of go into the things that I that not that I dislike, but le- like less because they're not they don't ruin the movie, but it's kind of like ah, the little issues I have yeah. with it um, is. Like you said, they're very ambiguous about his history. They actually did it on purpose. They did film. Um, they did have. They did have more scenes explaining the program he comes mm-hmm. from, but but they did test screenings, and the audience felt like they were giving too much away from a minute. And knowing his backstory made him less menacing. And and uh, um, the two of them, uh, Wingard and Barrett, they both agreed with that, mm-hmm. but. The studio wanted that stuff in. Yes. <clears throat> the studio I, wanted yeah. those things in there. And then they did the test screenings and they was like, ah, look at that. We were right the whole time. Delete that shit. <laughs> so they got rid of it. And that's why it's purposely ambiguous, which is good. Mm-hmm. I think that does help because you don't need to know what the experiments were. You just need to know that it was an experiment. Uh, but in the script, I think there's something that was out that was missing from the film that could give a little bit more into it. Uh, that is in, that was in their original script is that the experiment actually affected his pain receptors. Mm, okay. So he doesn't feel pain like a normal human being. As a result of that, he's lost emotion too. Mm, okay. Now th- that is that was something they wanted in their original that's in the original you kind of get that in the movie a little bit you yeah. can feel that a bit yeah yeah i think it's i think it's something that that the reddick's character lance reddick's character says that he doesn't feel pain like like he does feel pain but it's highly like muted yeah it's like and, that there's that scene where he's at the halloween party with anna's friend in the bed and she's like you don't seem like you're into this and then he's able to kind of turn it on yeah. and then flip yeah. her over so it's like he doesn't want it to be so obvious it's yes. so like he does know, I guess, when he's odd, and that's mm-hmm. when he could turn on the kind of emotion well, or pretend ex- to be emotional. Exactly. He, yeah. he knows he portrays it. He yeah. becomes it. So now, so the question then becomes, mm-hmm. how much of this is the programming and how much of him just being fucking crazy? Mm-hmm. Is he just a, just a psychopath? Is yeah. he just a lunatic and he enjoys this? Yeah. You know? Um, so... My question, like I said to you earlier, what is his goal? His goal from the beginning that the brother told him to take care of my family. So that is his intention. That is his mission. And then Lance Reddick's character later on says he will not stop. He has to complete his mission. So completing the mission is to protect the family. And he will do that at all costs, like the Terminator. The Terminator will Mm. not stop. He will continue to protect John Connor to the end of the earth, no matter what it takes. In Judgment Day, because in the first one, he wants to kill him. Yes, in the first one, it's to kill Sarah Connor. And that plays into something... Sarah Connor, yeah. And this plays into something we'll get into a little later that I want to bring to your attention, because I don't know Mm -hmm. how aware... I don't know if you've listened to the sequel concept album yet. but no, we'll, I we'll, Okay, and I want you to after no. this recording, but we'll, I'll tell you why a little later. Yeah, so, the, so that's his mission is to protect the family. Then in the end, his identity is revealed. That's when he reverts back to his original mission of being a secret. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the thing. It's not that they can't know. It's that the, the army uh, imprinted in him that he does not exist. He is a black ops soldier. So when his identity is compromised, 
burn all bridges. Mm-hmm. That's that's the protection. That's the survival instinct. That he has to kill them, not that he wants to or has to. He just he has to. That's yeah. now the mission is survival and get out. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, extraction basically. The the only problem I have with that narrative is that. So in this earlier scenes, he's trying to change his appearance. This is before they find out, before Anna makes the phone call. So that always, I always took that as he's just trying to get away because he is talking to someone. He has his burner phone. He's talking to someone about, you know, plastic surgery, change the way he looks, changes that, get rid of his fingerprints and all that stuff. So he was obviously trying to vanish mm-hmm. it, before Anna I think that's discovers because he's no that, longer... Mm-hmm. I think it's because he's no longer under the protection of the army. He yeah. is a Ronin now. He's out on his yeah. own, so he must remain anonymous mm-hmm. one way or another. Yeah. Even though he does have a current mission of protecting this family, he has to remain anonymous. And I mm-hmm. think that's what the whole thing with the doctor was, that he's trying to make himself anonymous now because officially, as far as the army is concerned, he's dead too. Mm-hmm. So he has to remain dead to the army. He can't leave any trail of them being able to find him either. Yeah, I can see that. Again, it's it's so ambiguous, and I think they did a good yeah. job at kind of making you figure out what you think his and that it's all it's all subjective. Yeah. I guess you can yes. obviously kind of change it. You can you can have your own opinion on where do you yeah. think the character, and that's what I think is most that's the most creative aspect about the script yeah. is that you can fill in the blanks of what you think David. What yeah, his, the I fact guess that what he his wants backstory is left is yeah. left empty. They didn't yeah. want to tell that story of mm-hmm. what is this and who are they, who who do they work for. Mm-hmm. They left all that ambiguous, so it could be anything. Yeah, and, and, and that's, I, I, that's good. And that goes back to like the Halloween Michael Myers comparison. Mm-hmm. Is you know you never really know why Michael Myers is doing yeah. this in the first movie. You don't really know mm-hmm. why he's and a that's force. Made him scary, exactly. And I could see them kind of using that as an attribute for David. It's like okay, we'll leave him. We'll tell you a little bit because obviously you learn a little bit more about him than you do in the original. Mm-hmm. Like comparing it to the original Halloween with Michael Myers, where you just well, know he's, he's evil. He has conversation. <laughs> yeah, like it's a very different <laughs> yeah. type of of role, but. Obviously, it's still there's still so much that's missing in that puzzle, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get into some dislikes, because I feel like this conversation will lead to that. There's a couple mm-hmm. of things I want to like. There's a, there's a couple of things on my list here in my notes that I love about the movie. And they're just moments. Um, one of my favorite moments is the. <laughs> so there's the entire uh, scene where he's carving the pumpkins. And again, it goes back to Dan Stevens performance where him and Luke, the little brother, are carving pumpkins. And he likes he has like this butterfly knife, which comes yeah. into play at the very end where um, which where, where he's defeated. And I use mm-hmm. that, you know, use that very loosely. Um, and after that, they take the jack-o'-lanterns into the house and he tells Luke, like, why do you let these guys bully you? You know, go into their houses at night and burn them down, burn down the houses with their families <laughs> in them, in, like yep. with their families inside and stuff. Like, so it goes <laughs> to show you that he's looking out for him in his own kind of twisted, fucked up, yeah. you know, military like way, you know, his own style of mm-hmm. of handling tr- tricky situations. Everything's a threat with him. And and there's another scene I, I love where Anna confronts David I think he's like chopping vegetables with the mother. They're preparing dinner Mm -hmm. and he's got the butcher knife in his hands as in his hand. And 
uh, the dad asks for his dog tags. They're having a conversation like, oh, yeah. are you, you know, are you really David Collins? He and, pulls it with the knife. And, yeah, yeah, and it's like you see him kind of pointing the knife, and it's like he's threatening yeah. that, like her yep. without outright doing it. And then he yeah. goes up to her room. He looks at her. And he I, has that conversation. It's a great scene. Yeah, and I think that threat goes back to him having to remain anonymous them yeah. not knowing like you find <laughs> out you find out that he's again he's he's a black ops soldier yeah so that's almost like you figure this out right now oh you gotta go to then dude that like, <laughs> as much as this is a mission i have an overarching mission of remaining yeah you know that scene man where where he goes upstairs to after the whole butcher knife in the kitchen with the dog tags mm-hmm. he's like sitting on the bed he's like staring at her like are we okay are we good yeah we good Okay, and then he leaves, notices the mix, the CD, and he's like, yeah. oh, you made, he's all friendly and nice again. You made this for me. I can't wait to listen to it. Yeah. So it's just so good, man. It's, it's great. Did you see, I don't know if you saw, there's a deleted scene there. There's a whole conversation yeah. they have yes, there. Yes, 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 yes. How yes. he walks out with them, he and he come. I think he comes back in. There's a whole other conversation that happens in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. And by removing that, you just made it like, wow, that's really weird. He just switched but there's actually this whole thing that happens and and removing that scene made him more robotic it made him creepier Mm -hmm. it made him weirder but keeping it in would have made him a little bit more human after school detention we'll put him to work helping the prom committee set up for the halloween dance we'll agree to that but i do not want to hear anything further about this young man being harassed we understand each other I believe we do, Mr. Who are you? I'm a friend of the family. Uh, two more things before we get into some dislikes. And I really just have one dislike with this movie. Mm-hmm. And it kind of plays into what we just kind of what we just talked about, kind of. Yeah. Uh, I love the Halloween hangout party that Anna takes him to. Mm-hmm. It's dude, the scene where he says, Where are the kegs? And then he comes back with both kegs. And it's yeah. like, this dude is not human, obviously. No, and everyone's fucking things are heavy yeah. as shit. And he's just carrying them like they weigh two pounds each. Those are, oh my um, God, a full keg is heavy. Yeah. I think that's like 60 pounds. Yeah, dude, it's, it's fucking hysterical with like the synth wave. So that's a great song, too, yeah. that plays in that scene. Uh, the whole, that whole setup with the whole, they have a, a Halloween safety video projected on the screen. It feels authentic. Like friends just hanging out, smoking cigarettes, smoking pot, drinking chilling music playing i love that scene uh one of i i had to know (laughs) weight of a full keg yes 161 pounds (laughs) and he's carrying carrying two of them yo what and then like the the, like sexy music's playing like when he comes in again dude it's so good it's so great 161 pounds is a full keg that's like Every time that scene it's plays, the Terminator. Dude, he is the Terminator. I know. Yo, dude, every time that scene plays, I can't help but chuckle just knowing mm-hmm. how heavy a fucking keg is. And this yep. guy's walking in and everyone's completely – it's a completely normal thing for him to be walking in with like 300 pounds on yep. each. It's fucking ridiculous, but it's great. It's like a ridiculous visual, but it works so well in this movie. Um, and then obviously kind of, you know, we've talked about it, but we haven't really – sat down and talked like we haven't given ourselves a couple minutes to talk about it. the last act the mm-hmm. entire haunted attraction that they have to run through with Lance yeah. Reddick 
um, him getting scared, like, what the fuck is this? And she's like, oh, it's a haunted house. She says that it's a haunted house the school puts together every year. Yeah. And, you know, just the Halloween 3 silver shamrock mask, the giant portraits mm-hmm. of them on the wall, the neon everywhere. You know, there, I think, uh, is there a, is there a Clan of Zion song plays at the end yep. there? There's a couple of Clan. There's a, I think a Masquerade. The song Masquerade plays. Yeah, they go through a I couple of different songs in the end there. But yeah. It's so good. There's a Perturbator. I believe the Perturbator song is at the very end, too. There's a Perturbator song that plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the whole, the Antonio, the use of that song. Oh, I love that song. So good. Oh, God, I love that song. Just the scene of her, like, pointing the gun at him, shooting him. And then the brother showing up, stabbing him in the chest. Then him giving the thumbs up like you did like good. Terminator 2? Yes, you did good. It's like, a Terminator 2 ending, yep. Yeah, and, and just kind of the way that all plays out. The decorations, yep. the haystacks getting caught up, getting caught in flames. The ending when he walks out dressed up as the, as the uh, firefighter. Yep. And she notices and it literally ends. What the fuck? And then that's when the movie ends. So See, I good. Think that, I think that is more proof of that his, his mission was just to extract. Yes. He, he'd had to kill everybody to get out, but they found another way of letting him out by making everyone think he's dead. That's it. It's all burned down. He can walk out now. He doesn't have to come back and kill them anymore because... Everyone thinks he's dead. He can safely extract from the situation and move in, move somewhere else and go blend in elsewhere because everyone thinks he's dead. So they're not looking for him anymore. Mission accomplished. And at the very end, too, you even hear a firefighter or a cop say Mm -hmm. someone's is like knocked their teeth were knocked out. Yeah. So that corpse that he's I guess he's sat there to pretend that's his body. He's basically mocking it up to be his body. He knocked out the teeth so that yeah. they couldn't. They, they even say it like, "Oh, two, there's two corpses and everything." And you're like, "And you, as the audience, are like, wait, wait, no, there should be three. Yeah, like even before she sees him, like maybe two minutes before she sees him, you hear someone say, we have two bodies inside,' and you're already like, "Wait, there should be three. Yeah. So you know what he's a great alive ending. somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> just the last like 15, 20 minutes of the movie are phenomenal. Just yeah. the whole haunted house, the whole Halloween party dance setup." You know, the, him getting away at the very mm-hmm. end is fucking great. And, I, dude, like I said, everything to me about this movie, I, I very high on my list when it comes to Halloween-themed films. Yeah. All right, let's get into some dislikes. <laughs> let's mm-hmm. get into some dislikes. Now, the one thing for me, and it plays into the military scenes and all that, it does kind of slow the movie down. Mm-hmm. cutting back to him i yeah. could see i think i remember hearing in the commentary like you said the studio or the producers wanted them to elaborate yeah. more on david's background but it does slow the movie like we didn't need to be kind of force-fed this information no. like where lance reddick came from no but L- like but that we scene had to introduce him somehow because when he name? shows up it would be yeah, random yeah. That you know? other guy, the guy from Your Next and the Sacrament and all that, he's in he's in the scene too. In oh the scene yeah, uh, AJ Bowen. Yes, there you go. Those scenes to me just feel so out of place. Mm-hmm. They feel like yeah. reshoots. It feels yeah. like they went back, shot those scenes just to appease people. And yeah, I don't know if they back. were reshoots or if those are the remnants yeah. of what was deleted. Yeah, because there like, are there are deleted the, scenes that involve yeah. those characters. That kind yeah, but they don't they don't on. even have those on the disc. No, yeah, like so all weird. that extra stuff they got rid yeah. of it entirely. They're like, nope, nope, yeah. you're not. Nobody's gonna see this. It's gone. Yeah, it's it's that's really the only thing when I watch the movie and even watching it for the episode, 
it does kind of fuck mm-hmm. with the pacing, in my opinion. It it, it just feels out of place. It yeah. was if Lance Reddick just showed up with the the army military police guys and all leather and black with the. I machine think it would guns, be weird. I that's the I, I agree with you. I yeah. do agree with you, but I also think that it would be weird for him to just show up at the end, and it's like mm-hmm. where did it would it would feel very left field. Yeah. Like, where did this suddenly come from that the army is searching for? You know what I mean? It. I feel like they didn't set it up properly. Not properly, but they didn't set it up strongly enough that you're worried about the army coming looking for this guy. Yeah. You know, without I, yeah. those scenes of them like, wait a minute, he's dead. You mean we got to go get him? You know? Yeah. And it's really just one scene that happens it is. before it is. they show up. And it's like 20 minutes before that, 15, 20 minutes before they show up at the Peterson house with all the machine guns and everything. Yeah. I just always felt like that scene maybe could have been done a, a little differently. I, I agree. I, I agree. It feels with that. odd. It always yeah. felt out of place to me. Even when I saw, I remember when I went to go see it in the theater and after I left, I said, that scene just felt unnecessary. Mm-hmm. It just kind of takes where, away. That's where it becomes an action movie. Like it's got those yeah. action movie elements. You've you got know? like the, the, the room of politicians and people mm-hmm. sitting around it's government agents. Yeah, it, it just feels odd. And I just, I never liked it. And I I give this movie an A plus, man. And I even will say it's not perfect because of that. I give it an A minus because of that one scene. And it still doesn't really take anything away from the movie. Is there anything you disliked about this movie? Um, I mean, I kind of agree with that. It felt weird with that. But there's only two things. And they're just like the characterization sometimes. The father, he's such an asshole. (laughs) He's such an asshole. It's like, dude, why are you such a dick at all times? (laughs) Like he's constantly an asshole, you know? And he's like curmudgeon-y and like grumpy. He's a dad. It just kind of, but no, like he's not just a dad. Like, okay, fine. Like he's just this sarcastic asshole. Like I'm, you know, like when David is there, (laughs) yeah. And he plays it that way. And it's like, I don't know if it's a bad thing. It just like, it stands out. It's like, why did you, why did you play it? So, so much of a prick. Yeah, he's a little you know, obnoxious. I, I do like the dad. That's it. He's very obnoxious. Like when David is sitting there, he's like, okay, fine. Then I'll drink by myself. Fuck all of you is almost what I'm hearing. I think it's, it's intentional. It's, I think they I know it's intentional. Yeah. No, it is totally intentional. I like the dad. I think it's funny, but I could see, I could see is, where you're coming I, from. I feel like every every sentence he has, if you ended his every sentence, he ended every one of them with fuck all of y'all, it would still fit. <laughs> <Yeah>. It would fit. <laughs> Everything he says, well, I'm going to have a drink. Fuck all of y'all. You know, uh, oh, that guy at work died. Fuck all of y'all. He's just like, kind of like a stereotypical, yes. a stereotypical father character in a movie. I think that's kind of he's not written. He's an I, angry album. I still think he's likable though. I don't know when you kill I him. Do I do like feel him. For him. I do yeah. like him. He's just such a dick. Like yeah, I, yeah. and 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 they and I feel like the family just puts up with him being a dick. Yeah, yeah. You know, like he's just an alcoholic asshole, and it's like. Why are you making me like yeah. this guy? You know, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. and then two. This is so like mean. It means nothing. But there is not a single thing in this world that you can tell me that is going to make me believe that Anna listens to that music. <laughs> Period. A- I'm sorry. <laughs> that is not the shit that she is rocking on her headphones. At all. That is not the, that is not the mixtape she is making. That is not her music. She did not play that girl. 
Yeah, nope. I guess. Nope. <laughs> this, sorry, this 17, 18 year old She's 20. Girl, She's 20. 20, sorry. <laughs> this 20 year old girl, you know, in 2009 is not listening to music from 1983, goth music from 1983. Not happening. No, I don't buy it. it <laughs> and as much as I like it in the movie, it, does, it doesn't fit her. Like, I'm like, why is she, why, why would she be, nope. Nope, I don't buy it. That's, <laughs> That's it. more of a nitpick because I feel it like is. It, it is. It totally is. But from the, the very beginning, first time that. I ever watched it, I'm like, why is she? What? Where did she even find this fucking music? Yeah. You know? You in the can middle. Tell, in some, I even said it when I watched it recently. I was like, you can tell all this music was found after they shot all the scenes. You could just tell. Like she's like, oh, this, like he's like, this is a good song. Oh yeah, I like it. Like they never say uh, the, the name of the tracks. They never. Neither say one. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, nope. They've never heard this shit before. They do not react to the music. Just it's a like great that. soundtrack. They, so I'm not it is a great it. soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack. It. But that's because I love this music to begin with. So like half yeah, of yeah. these songs, I have these albums to begin with. Fucking movie starts with Love and Rockets for God's yeah, sake. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. like who the fuck. You're, she does not know who the fuck Loving Rockets is. I'm sorry. In this universe, she just they do, Manny. They do. They, these characters know about I don't all that buy shit. It. So. I, do, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. <laughs> That's a funny little nitpick. I didn't even think about it that way. But hey, yeah, it, it's 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 what it's what it is. It is what it is when it comes to the music. It and is, it, and that's again, fine. It just that was that was the nitpick I had of her character. She is not a Loving Rockets Clan yeah. as I'm O fan. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so on the subject of music, real quick before we briefly talk about the Blu-ray because there's really not much on this Blu-ray. Um, uh, so you have not listened to. I didn't even know it existed. To didn't even soundtrack. know it existed. Nope. So I want you. To I'm gonna put it on right now. You put it wait. on now, right now, now. But you know, listen to it. Now I covered this with with Chris last year, mm-hmm. and they said that they have kind of like an outline of where the sequel would go. Mm-hmm. And there's a physical release of the guest part two on vinyl. When you look at the album cover, it hints at 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 where the plot would go. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about Terminator. And I'm being a little redundant now because I did mention it in that episode. And I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna elaborate because I'm just mostly telling you this, Manny. I'm looking at it right when now. It you looks like something look, out of the void. It looks great. <laughs> I really think if they were to make a guess too, David would be the hero in the movie. I think David. And when you read the when you read the titles of the songs, it plays up that way that there's some sort of cult or or underground organization, and David is now with Anna going to defeat this group. Very mm-hmm. Terminator 2-esque. Now I we're not a- looking at this. I don't see it that way. I think that she goes and I think that she's, I think that I see the cult thing, that there's something of the cult there. You got to read the that. tracks. You got to read the tracks and oh, you got to read the way they word things. So it's like the guest returns. And at the very end, it's like David versus whatever the name of this group the is splinters of the cross. Yes. So I have a very sneaking suspicion. They would follow the, the Terminator guidelines, I guess, yeah. and make David sort of the hero in the second movie. And I could see that being a thing where he kind of gets away. And you even talked about the mission that David has, and there's a new mission and maybe he's trying to protect them now. So yeah. I could see you, you got to listen to it. Listen to it. Listen to the soundtrack. Listen to the tracks. I gotta be honest. Yeah, 
I wouldn't want to see this. I don't want to see a sequel either. Listening to no, I, I don't. thinking thinking of David yeah. as the hero against a cult, and then make him a very teaming movie. up with him. No, I yeah. that does not sound interesting to me. That oh, sounds dude, like I'm glad you know, they didn't make it. I, I don't yeah. think the movie needs a sequel. I think the way it ends is perfect. And then looking at him with this cowboy hat is like, <laughs> nope, yeah. nope. I don't. I do not want to. I would not want to see this movie. You got to admit though, it's cool to. <laughs> The it's an interesting of idea. It is a, a sequel album because the music yeah. was so prominent in this original film that mm-hmm. they made, and some of the artists come back for new tracks. I believe. Um, I, I just think it's a cool idea that they created a sequel concept album for a movie that doesn't exist and released it on April Fool's Day. So for all the listeners yeah. that didn't listen to our episode, Chris and I kind of dived into that gate. We elaborated on our thoughts and kind of what mm-hmm. we think our favorite tracks on it and stuff. Go back, check it out. That was a fun episode. And, yeah. and, and I, I'm so curious. It, it's honestly, dude, I'd recommend you listen to it because it's, it's really, really good. They did a good job kind I'll of mimicking what the original soundtrack was. Like they did a, a fantastic job with the group makeup and vanity sets on it and a bunch of other, other I think Steve Moore came back to write some other music for it. It's, mm-hmm. it's a really cool idea. If you're not going to make a sequel, make an ambiguous faux sequel soundtrack. Like yeah. we're never going to get the it's, guess it's too. A, it's a cool idea. It really yeah. is. She's working at the diner. I'm her, her mother. What she, did she do something? No, no, it's fine, madam. But your daughter, she put in a call to Fort Kenilworth a couple of days ago asking about a man named David Collins. Yes, oh, that's right, she did. You wouldn't happen to have seen anyone resembling this man, would you? This is, um, David. All right, so let's quickly dive into the, to the Blu-ray that we both watched. We watched the... 2014, mm-hmm. I believe, release of this. This is a very yep. old Blu-ray. This is like the first Blu-ray for the movie to come out. You have the same one, right, man? Yep. Yeah. There's good. not much on this. It's got some deleted scenes, which you said there's the one there's the one extended scene in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. I think there's I think there is another scene that takes place with the. It's like guys. seconds of yeah. each. It's like 10, 15 seconds of each. There's a extended. couple. Not much. There's not a lot of deleted scenes. There's a Q&A with Dan Stevens that's really short, too, from what I remember. A couple of questions about the film and stuff like that. There is a commentary, which I thought was pretty insightful, that does dive into kind of what the concept was for the movie and how they mm-hmm. made it. And, you know, obviously go to that's where I believe I learned the whole Terminator Halloween is kind of yeah. what birthed the concept for this movie. And you can see that when you watch it. Yeah. And, I, and that's also where I think one of them says that they tried to stick a pumpkin or jack-o'-lantern in every scene in the background. Yeah. Um, this is a very bare bones Blu-ray. It There's is. really it not is. much to it. There is another release that came out a few years ago. That's, a, I believe, a 4K Blu-ray. Uh, mm-hmm. Nicer cover, too, than this. this is no, I don't think it's... Co- I think it's fairly recent, actually. Yeah, it's recently. Uh, I don't own it, unfortunately, so... Yeah, I was gonna... I was considering getting it. Like yeah, 50 it's, bucks. Uh, second, yeah, it's second sight. Yeah. I mean, I get a lot... I get second sight releases. Yeah. They, and I think it has more special features as well. I believe it's got more. Yeah, com- new commentaries, yeah. behind the scenes, like a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, it, yeah. A nice, it's got a whole book that comes with it, but that's what most of the second sight I'll releases are like. I'll be honest. Rewatching the movie... I might pull the trigger and buy it. <laughs> Dude, and it's got the soundtrack, all yeah. that. You remember I got the May, I got May like that yeah. and Martyrs and Session 9. It's like all their releases are just like that. Yeah, this one this one just has the Blu-ray and DVD and digital copy. 
Mm-hmm. I bought this when I bought this literally when oh, I saw shit. the movie in theater. I bought this when I saw it in theaters. I bought this like a few months later when it came out. Yeah. So so I happened to just look it up real quick. First off, it's really cool. A friend a friend of mine actually was uh, was has one of the essays in the book. Okay, uh, cool. Zoe Smith. Yeah, she actually has one of the essays in there. There's a bunch of uh, lobby cards, mm-hmm. but then there's three reproductions in here of oh. the Halloween. Or posters, so the yeah. Halloween dance posters from the movie so cool. are yeah. in there, are in the oh, are in the set. Awesome. I, I have to upgrade, man. I love this movie, yeah. so I have to upgrade because it, it's this is there's not much to this limited edition of five thousand. So at some is, point, it's going to disappear. Extra, are there any extra bonus features? Uh, on that? New new grading for both formats: yeah. UHD, new commentary, archive okay. commentary, uninvited guest, the perfect stranger by invitation only, producing the guest, light and fall, oh, yeah, lightning strikes, sounds of wow. the guest, deleted alternate scenes slipcase soundtrack cd 160 page book and the art cards how much we talking how many bucks uh it says 50 pounds so, so that's that? probably like 60 ish damn might have, know, to, but, might have to pull uh, well, that I mean, trigger uhd is region free so you don't have to worry about that but the blu-ray yeah. is is region b yeah so i really want that I, man like i considered it yeah it's nice and it's a fucking gorgeous cover too yeah, like, yeah it looks man. really good I might have to pull the trigger because this ain't cutting it anymore. So this 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 bare bones deep Blu-ray the digital DVD HD sticker is not making nah, it for you. It ain't, it ain't. No, I need to see. Dude, I hate handsome, the blue. Handsome handsome uh, Dan Stevens in. Uh, I hate 4K. how they ruin movie art with the Blu-ray blue strips and yeah, shit. I hate rough. how they ruin covers like that. For sure, for sure. I might have to jump. I might have to pull the trigger this month, man. Especially yeah. since it's spooky season. Now's the best time. Yeah. All right, Manny. So, final thoughts on the guest? Um, I mean, I dig the film. I like it. I think I think I'm kind of in agreement with you in the beginning that this is probably his best film. You know, um, it's it's the only one that's like solid from beginning to end. You know, like I enjoyed the Godzilla versus King Kong, but it was a lot of issues. Like, oh my god, was that stupid in some scenes? You know, I loved, <laughs> I loved his Blair Witch. But I felt like it was missing something. For like, sure. I, I felt agree. like there was a lot of he had an opportunity to do something that was clear mm-hmm. right there in front of them and they didn't do it. And I'm a not lot of get missed into opportunities. It. There was I agree. one really big missed yes. opportunity right in the end. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You didn't. Yeah. Do, like, I honestly feel they should have walked in and found Heather. I agree. Still stuck there. And it's like the fact that you didn't do that, dude, you guys dropped the ball. I love yes. the movie, but that was the biggest ball I've ever seen dropped. Mm-hmm. How did you not do that? Yeah. Like, so, uh, and your next, the fact that it got so silly and slapstick, I thought it was, I felt like they were just a bunch of spoiled brats. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, fuck this. This is stupid. You know, I didn't like <laughs> yeah. that. But the rest of the movie was good. But yeah. who they became. So I think this is the one, the you know, horrible way to die. I saw that a long time ago. I don't even remember much of it. But it was very low budget, you know. Um, other stuff is all Joe Swanberg stuff. I think this is their most solid film that from beginning to end, pretty much everything works. The story works. You know, uh, the aesthetics of it, everything Everything flows well. Mm-hmm. You know, even those few scenes you said that don't really kind of stand out, they work with the narrative, though. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just weird. It's that what Jordan Peele said, how they how he didn't want to leave the world of Get Out. He mm-hmm. didn't like at the end of Get Out. Originally, they go to the prison and mm-hmm. they show him in jail and he didn't want to leave that because he felt once you leave this home, 
it's no longer the same story anymore. Now we're something else. And I think that that was the one misstep in the film that they left the world that they're all in to go somewhere completely different. Mm-hmm. You know, even if they, even though they came right back, it kind of broke the dome that the story was existing in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can agree with that. It's it's yeah. I, like I said, the scene that scene doesn't completely kind of kill the movie for me. No. Obviously, I love yeah. the movie. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so I can't. I think I liked it more watching it this time than I did the first time I saw it. Too. Oh, that's cool. That's that's yeah. that's usually how it works. Sometimes when you really sit down yeah. and you kind of pay attention and you're not zoned out and you're just I, again, I've seen this movie so many. I've seen it yeah. at least fifteen times. I would say ten mm-hmm. to fifteen times around that ballpark. Yeah, this is I've maybe the third time I've watched it. And I remember when it came out in the theaters, I went out of the way and it was a limited limited release i don't remember having this huge release i went and saw it in the theater so and i remember as soon as i walked out of the movie theater i, I told myself that was fucking great oh no this is gonna be a movie i revisit every few years like i it's just for me it's it's one of those movies get and i'm gonna 4K. say okay and I, i'm going to <laughs> and i'm gonna say it. something controversial here oh. sort of a hot take oh. To, oh. to close out the show here oh. i in my opinion opinion of louis when it comes to top five Halloween themed films this is in it for me it's up there with the original Halloween it's up there with Trick or Treat it's up there with Night of the Demons you know it's it to me it's in the top five it's in the conversation of those top five to me, everything. I don't think of, any of those are in my top five. <laughs> but you know what I mean. <laughs> but Everyone's no, no, I'm got just their saying, own top five. No, in that's my fine. top five. Just like yeah. I'm listening, just like that doesn't even sound. That's not even my. That's not even my top five. So I'm so, not even going to argue because yeah. you're in a different yeah. Halloween yeah. mindset than I am. And, and, and you know what? That'll make for a good episode in the future. But to me, just everything about this movie hits: the music, the acting, the plot, yeah. the, the the cinematography, the editing, the pacing. The Halloween aesthetic, it's perfect, and I don't think there's another movie out there like it. Yeah, there's obviously comparisons, but I think it's so unique. It's, it is. It's it, very unique. Yeah, it, there, there's just nothing that can kind of even – there's nothing you really can compare it to. And I could see people maybe disagreeing with me and not thinking this is the most Halloween film in the world. But I think it should be watched every spooky season. I think yep. it should be watched every October. I think it's the perfect movie to watch on October 31st on Halloween. So you don't have to take my word for it, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> he wanted me to tell you that he loved you. He specifically wanted me to tell each one of you that he loved you and he was thinking of you guys up until the end. I said I'd do that, and so here I am. So that was finally, finally the guest. We talked about the guest after three and a half years of since I started Haunted Hangover. We've talked about covering the guest. So finally did it. Be sure to subscribe. Yes, congrats. Yes, thank you, man. Congratulations. We, we've upgraded. We've covered the guest finally. You blew your guest wad. How does it feel? <laughs> Where do I go? For, that's it. Show's over now. That's it. <laughs> Last episode. Last episode of Haunted Hangover. <laughs> no, it's not. We've got plenty of other movies and, and Halloween films and other horror movies to cover in the future. But yes, be sure to subscribe. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at Haunted Hangover. Head over to hauntedhangover.com for links to the Patreon page, the audio-only version of this episode, the video version of this episode, and a bunch of other spooky nonsense. 
And be sure to rate and review us on whatever podcatching app you are listening to us on. Otherwise, I mean, we'll shoot you in the head. You don't like, want to? Fuck all of y'all. <laughs> like Dan Stevens and the guest. That's right. Shoot you in the head. <laughs> As always, remember, the best cure for a hangover is... Or booze. Catch you guys later. <laughs> <laughs>